Can you guys hear me okay? All, all the way in the back. Hello, welcome everybody. Welcome, hello and welcome to Weird Careers. I'm your host, E.T. And I'm Danny. All over the world, people have jobs. Some of those jobs we don't even know exist. There are jobs that we don't know a lot about, and there's jobs that we just don't talk about. Well, we are here to explore all of the above on this podcast. First of all, huge thank you to everybody. This is our special live uh, special podcast special here for Weird Careers, launching our uh, this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We are launching. This is uh, to get you excited for our season two. All right, so join us as we explore careers from all over the globe, everything from specialized retail to sex work. Yes, this show, not here, but on the podcast app, is 18 plus. Throughout the course of this podcast, we will talk, we will take a deep dive into each of these interesting professions. Do you, or do you know somebody who has a weird or interesting job? Anybody here? Maybe you do. You don't know. Believe it or not, your job may actually be more interesting than, under, than you may think. So if you think you've got a weird or in- interesting job or know somebody who has an interesting job, please email us at weirdcareerspodcast at gmail.com. But before, we're, so we're going to get started right head on to this. We are welcoming our first guest of the day. Please welcome Pan- Panico Von Slees. Hello, everybody. How's everybody doing? Awesome. You guys, you guys can hear everybody okay? We're good, we're good, we're good? All right, this, pod, this episode will also be available to listen to if anybody couldn't make the live, which is great. So anybody listening to this right now, don't worry, you're not missing out. So let's, get, let's, let's, let's not waste any time, shall we? Let's get right into this. So it's Panico. It's not Panico, it's Panico. It's Panico, yes, but I will take either or. And there is a story to that, right? There's there, a little bit of a story? There is. Um, so my, my name originates from a Eiffel 65 song called Panico and the song is basically about a guy having a mental breakdown and it was in a I think it was in Italian so it was this like funny weird thing because everybody was like it was it's like a rave song so everyone's like bumping but he's describing having a mental panic attack and being like so that's where I I got my name from and Originally, it was Panico, but then it got changed to Panico because one of my f- good friends um, mispronounced it and called, it, called me uh, Panico, and that's how it, it, it stuck. Awesome. Awesome. So before we get into the nitty-gritty of everything that you do, um, just tell us what it is. There might be some people here who do not know what a drag queen is. I know, that my, I know there are people who have never been to a show. They have never seen RuPaul. So what... What is a drag queen? Without any, without any spoilers, what does a drag queen do? I would say a drag queen performs, expresses themselves. Drag is really just the play of gender. It doesn't matter what you have underneath of your costume. It's all about just expressing this inner superstar character kind of persona that you have. And it's just about expressing through gender and learning a bit more about yourself and learning about all the different things. Nice. That's fun. I've been to a couple of drag shows here in London. Honestly, the drag show here is awesome. So if, a, if anybody here has never been to a drag show, go to the London ones. They're great. Um, so Danny's got a question for you. How long does it take you to put all your makeup and stuff on? It 
takes me personally about five to six hours. I, like this morning, I woke up at 8 a.m. and I had a shower and then I started getting ready. What takes probably the longest is my eyebrows and my eyes because yeah. I glue my eyebrows down with a washable glue stick. Oh, wow. And, it, and, I pout, and I put powder on top and that drying process takes a long time and if you mess it up, you have to start over again. Oh, oh geez. I was doing mine this morning and it took so long. I don't normally do makeup at all. I was there. So she was in there for forever. I, forever. 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 I, was I mean, like, but you also have got a lot more going on than she does. I mean, great color scheme. You guys got the great got the color scheme on point here. <laughs> Obviously, somebody got the memo about purple. Now, before I got into the drag scene myself personally, um, I originally thought that it was a it was always a cis man dressing in drag. Always thought that. Little did I know how very wrong I was. Very wrong. Um, so a lot of folks out there probably don't know either. So can you explain to everyone the different types of drag? Well, so a lot of people know when they hear the term drag, they think of drag queens, but there's so much more than just drag queens. There's hyper queens, which are females who identify as females who do drag. Wow. There's drag monsters, which I like to consider myself a drag monster creature. So I kind of play on the idea of monsters and creatures and more fantasy than looking like a real woman. Um, there's drag kings who are, you who can be any gender, and they perform the masculine side of drag. Nice. And they do all the masculine kind of like, that kind of stuff. And they even, there's some femininity in there too. Nice. And then you got, of course, your regular kind of everyday drag queens. But mm -hmm. yeah, drag, what's cool about drag is it's really so inclusive, and I wish people knew that more, that it doesn't matter really what's underneath your underneath like your costume anybody can do drag drag awesome. is just an expression of gender and just finding more about yourself i love that that's amazing i love it that's great yeah. so let's go back in time how did you how did you become a drag queen like how did you know you wanted to do that so from a young age i've always loved dressing up i was a theater kid <laughs> i nice. I remember one of the most striking moments in my life was when I was playing the lion in The Wizard of Oz. And I was this like, I forget how old I was. I was in grade six and I was walking down the, like so basically my school had different pods. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was walking down to the gym and I had the lion costume on and I had a cape and I had two kindergartners behind me holding the cape up and <laughs> I was doing this, like the queen. Nice. And that was just so fun for me, and that just sparked this love of costuming. And then I got into cosplay, and from cosplay, it ended up, because of the pandemic, I couldn't go to cons anymore. Mm. I ended up watching a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race, and that's what got me kind of motivated to yeah. do drag. And I then reached out to a local queen. Her name is Lita Von Slees. She gave me a chance, and she's taught me how to do drag. Amazing. And she's mentored me, and she still does to this day, and she helps me and guides me through this journey. And, yeah, so she helps, helped me get into drag a lot, and that's kind of like my journey in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, that's pretty cool, though. And I so wouldn't even know Lita where to begin. Von Slees, you would say that, that would be, so she would be technically considered your drag mom? Is she that is what it's called? She is my drag mother, awesome. yes. Lita Von Slees is my drag mother. And if I'm not mistaken, she has been on RuPaul. Has she been on RuPaul? 
I'm thinking of different fun sleeves then. I think of somebody else. That's okay. That's all right. What's your next question, Danny? My next question? Uh, what's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you on a show? Oh, so many. There's so many that I can, <laughs> so many that I can think of. I, um, there was one time where I thought I was going to be cool and wear heels for the very first time while performing, which was a horrible decision <laughs> if you've ever worn heels. I was wearing a cape, which, again, another bad idea. I did not think of the practicality of it. I just was like, ooh, I'll just add in a cape. That'll soften the look. Um, <laughs> so I was walking, I was about to start my performance, and I ended up tripping on my heel. The, it, and it was on the, I tripped on the cape. It pulled my wig back, because so, I didn't glue my wig down. So it literally swooped my, the cape swooped my wig off. My wig came off, and now I have... My, my hair underneath was shown. I fell face first onto the floor. Oh my God. And I was trying to get onto the stage at the same time. Like I was stepping onto the stage. So I literally tripped onto the stage. And, and I'm just like trying to pretend like it, that was part, that I was like, plan, I planned that. And that was just like part of the gag, you know? Yeah. I totally planned it. No, I didn't. No. I mean, at least you were quick on the, the ball there and got it less embarrassing. That's hilarious. It's, it's, it's improv. You, it is. You, you it's gotta truly improv. Literally roll with, not not literally, but you got to roll with the punches. It know? is <laughs> like sometimes I've forgotten words. I just roll with it. That's the beauty of life shows. Anything can go wrong at literally any time. Mm -hmm. I am just gonna take a moment uh, before we we this move on. This episode is brought to you in part by Start.ca. Start.ca is your friendly neighborhood internet provider, and Comic Con sponsor since 2016. They've won over 25 awards for number one internet in London, and here's why. Internet faster than the speed of light, with packages starting at only $55 a month. Tech reps who will be your superhero with 24-7 local support. No activation fees, no contracts, and no surprises. We smash, bam, kapow, those to the curb. They support the local community, so don't delay. Join start.ca today so obviously there are many ups and downs to being a drag to be to being a queen um what are some of those downsides one of the downsides that i think a lot of people don't realize is that emotionally it is a lot because you have so much going on all at once you want to make sure you have your numbers set you want to make sure you have your costumes you want to make sure you have your makeup, you want to make sure you have everything with you at all times. So it's constantly a lot. And then you have to juggle shows, potentially, because I know some people will do two or three shows in a day. And so it's like here, there, here, there. And if you're planning shows, which I actually plan and do my and run my own shows, and I found that there's stress on that because I need to make sure my cast yep. is all good, everyone has everything. Wow. And of course, then you have the, the cost of drag which is very expensive. You don't, you don't necessarily need money to do drag, but I find that having good products definitely helps a lot. Of course, absolutely. Yeah. You, you always get what, you get what you pay for. Absolutely. You do. You for really sure. do. That actually leads us into the next question of your outfits. Do you actually make them yourself? 
I don't. I have made outfits in the past when I have done cosplay. Right. Um, however, the outfit that I'm wearing today, my mother actually made for me. Ooh. Oh. And she had been working the last week on it very hard for me, and I just wanted to give her a little shout out. She did an amazing nice. job. She actually made another costume that I wore for Pride this year. Oh, okay. Um, other than that, I would say most of my stuff comes from a site called Coquetry Clothing. Okay. Nice. It's, it's very good because they're very size inclusive. They do free custom sizing. Oh, that's, oh, that's really amazing. good. I love that. Yeah. That's, in, that's, that's awesome. Um, so, but do you have any advice for anybody who's looking to, get, to be a queen? Or to get into the drag show, the scene? Just do it. Like, I know that's like a, a very like basic thing to say, and I'm sorry to, to Nike everybody, but just do it. Uh, Nike Reach. is not one of the sponsors of this show. We, yeah, we are not. This is not sponsored by Nike. <laughs> um, but I, it's one of those, drag is one of those things where if you want to do it, just go out and do it. It doesn't matter what you identify as. It doesn't matter anything. Like, it doesn't matter who you are mm -hmm. or what you do if you want to be a drag artist at any point just put on a wig put on some makeup reach out to a local venue reach out to local performers and say hey i want to become a drag queen where can i go to to become a drag queen and just start your journey nice. i i want to say right now on this podcast that if anybody ever wants to start drag um, my Instagram is Panico Von Sleeves. Please just message me. I am more than happy to help anyone who wants to get into drag Amazing. with advice or if they need help with anything, I'm here. Absolutely. And as soon as this episode is uploaded, and if you are listening to this now, obviously it is uploaded. So we'll make sure to have all of your socials in the, com in the, uh, the description below. So this is probably one of my favorite parts of the, the panel. I want to open up the mic to the floor. Does anybody in our audience have any questions for Pan? Come on, come on over. All right, what's your name? Hi, my name is Kevin. I'm just curious, is there any, you're talking about performances, so I'm assuming full music, like songs and whatnot. Mm. Is there any particular song you wish you could do or are planning on doing? There are some songs that I want to do, but I'm waiting for the right moment. I really want to do some Nine Inch Nails song. There's Ooh. specifically one Nine Inch Nails song I want to do, but I am waiting for the right place and time to do it. That's awesome. That is. That's so. awesome. Do we have any other questions from the floor for Panico today? No? Thank you very much, Kevin. But. We do have one more question, and it is our signature question that we always have to ask at the end of every episode. Danny, take it away. What did you want to be when you grew up, when you were younger? Like, what was your initial, I want to do that? Surprisingly, I actually never had one of those. Oh, I wow. kind of never knew what I wanted to be. I was kind of just open to whatever the world kind of had in store for me. Right. I never really had anything specific that came to mind. As time went by, I guess an artist mm -hmm. was something that was definitely something I wanted to do. My parents pushed art very much. Yeah. It was basically like, you know how like academically they'll push academics, some parents push academics? Yeah. My parents pushed arts and performing. Awesome. So oh. that was my kind of thing. So I would say probably if we're going into the nitty gritty and after, but 
Like, when I was young, I never really had a plan. That's fair. I tried to be, a, I wanted to be a nurse, but then that didn't happen. That's a lot of school. That is a That's lot, a of, lot school, of school. And my back would not, I wouldn't be able to. Fair. Fair. It's <laughs> a lot of work. Right on. Well, thank you so much, Panico, for coming on today, on, on the episode today. Everybody, please give a huge round of applause and thank you to Panico Von Slees for coming on to Weird Careers today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you allow allowing me to talk about the amazing art form that is drag. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Panico. And if you got, just so you know, we have one, a wonderful drag show in the main hall at 4 o'clock. And you'll be able to see Panico... Yeah, I, I did it. I, no, Penico. Ah, there, Penico, live uh, at 4 o'clock on the main stage. So thank you again so much, Pen Penico, for coming on today. Thank you for yeah, having thank me. You. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Our next guest is Laura. Laura, come on up to the stage. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on today. You need to get a little closer. Hello. There you go. Awesome. So, Laura is in IT. And, I mean, I can't even imagine things that you go through on a daily basis, but let's start, let's start at the beginning. If you were to tell people what you actually did for work, in a simple term, what would that be? Um, so, the easiest answer for me is helping people. It's just helping people specifically with the, um, with like the day-to-day -day stuff that everybody uses in their lives now, which is IT, so internet, phones, computers, everything. Um, right now I'm doing that with businesses, but I've done it with individual people in the past, so awesome. just kind of keeping people running. That's all, well, with how, I mean, look at, look at for example, the, the Rogers outage that we had a couple, couple months ago now. It, it, was, it, was some, it, was, it took a moment like that for us to realize how dependent we are on our technology. I mean, you can, you, all, all of us have phones, text, yeah. texting, you know, you're, it's the smallest little notifications. For someone like me, for example, who's got a, a smart home, you know, the internet goes out, I can't turn on my lights. I mean, it's, it's, it's frustrating. COVID too, COVID definitely showed everyone like, okay, we need tech and exactly. it needs to work. Yeah. Exactly, we're like, oh, okay, we can't, we can't shut down. What do you mean we can't shut down? We have, we have our businesses off to run. And that is where Zoom came in, the good old Zoom. Good old Zoom. <laughs> and so moving on, so you're 35, going to be 35. Going to be 35. Going to be yeah. 35. And you've been working with tech in your hands since you were eight, eight, I believe, yeah? Yeah, a kid. Definitely around eight. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, installing Windows via a floppy disk? Is that, is that how far back yeah. we're going? Doing everything in DOS prompts, oh yeah. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> but so tell us, tell us your journey. Where did it start and how did you get where you are today? Um, so I was kind of lucky in that I grew up in a home where my dad was a programmer. Um, my family played video games together as their like family activity. Everything was kind of tech-related from the start. Nice. Um, and I just traditionally was kind of raised doing like stereotypically male things, so mm -hmm. it all kind of combined. Um, as I got older, it always stayed a hobby. Um, it wasn't. I didn't think it was what I was going to be doing, but I enjoyed it so much that it just made it really easy to turn it into my career. That's awesome. Good for you. Good for you. 
So I know that when you're doing a job, that mic is perfect. <laughs> it, there's a phant there's a there's a we've got a phantom mic here somewhere. We don't know which one it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what are some of the challenges that you faced in the workplace being the first female? So I've worked in two different companies now where I've been the first woman working in their tech department. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible on its uh, own. Like Best yeah. Buy was Thank you. <laughs> Um, Best Buy was the first one with Geek Squad, uh, and the Geek Squad at Best Buy, 15 years that was open, and that was the first girl to work there. That's amazing. Uh, And then the company that I work for now has been open since 2011, and again, first girl to work for them. That's amazing. Um, It's, normally it's fine, like it's just the normal everyday job like it would be, Um, but there are occasionally times... Uh, where I'll be dealing, I would deal with a customer or a client that would be adamant that they had to speak to a man. There is Ugh. just no way they could speak to a woman. There's no way I would know what they were talking, like what I was talking about. Um, Jesus. And alternatively, I've run into situations where I've had to deal with um, creeps. I had one situation where police had to get involved because there was a stalker that was waiting after work for me. Oh wow. Um, at the computer store I was working at because he just got attached. Um, which was awkward. Um, but aside from like one-off situations like that, it's usually I fit in with the company anyway and with the That's culture, good. and so it's usually just normal day-to-day work. That's good. I, I'm glad that you don't have to deal with a lot of, well, I need to speak with a man. You, can't, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'm glad you don't deal with a lot of that. Yeah, it kind of just shows how far we've come as yeah, a society, which is It's getting nice. better. When I was originally working in tech, like... A decade ago, it was a lot worse than it is now. Um, it definitely came up a lot more often. But now I think <laughs> that there's a lot more of an understanding that, like, you came to get help, so I'm here to help you. Obviously, you need, um, like, obviously you need me to answer your questions. You wouldn't be here. Exactly. So. Exactly. And we all need tech support. Even, yeah. us te- even the techiest of techs can ask for tech support. But you always have to remember, tell the pe- person you're, you're talking to tech support with, I've already gone through steps one through 11. Can we not do that again? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times I've been on the phone with IT. Now, have you turned it off and on again? Yes, I have turned it off and on again. <laughs> Did you make sure it was plugged in? Yes, I made sure it was plugged in. <laughs> I work in IT. Trust me, I've done all of this. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Uh, so, so but tell me about your qualifications. Now, did you have to go to school to learn some of this, or, or is a lot of self-teaching, and do you need like a degree or a certificate, or how does that work? Okay, so the easy answer is a lot of places want you to have a degree or certificate. Mm-hmm. A lot of places want you to have education. I didn't finish high school and didn't go to post-secondary. Holy shit! Um, so it was just, I've been incredibly lucky that any of the places... I've been incredibly lucky that any of the places that I've worked um, didn't ask me about my education and qualifications. They asked me technical questions, and I answered them. And I know that that's not everywhere. A lot of places want you to have the piece of paper saying, I went to school, I know what I'm talking about. But in my experience, a lot of the people that are self-taught and have their own experience, the positive there is they're a lot more likely to be open to being told you're wrong and yep. they'll fix their thinking. Where a that. lot of people who went to school, they've got this solid idea of this is what it is. 
Um, not to say don't go to school, obviously go to school if you want to, um, but I don't think it's necessary as long as you are dealing with an employer that's okay with you just having the technical knowledge. That's awesome. And that's just the way that you should conduct an interview to be part. I mean, yeah, you've got all, we all, who here has student debt? <laughs> I rest my case. Like, I mean, and you, they want, you've got student, you've got thousands, tens of thousands upon dollars of student debt. And they want you to, ha you, go, you go into your first job and they want you to have 15 years experience. I, you just got like, I mean, so it's nice to see companies looking at your qualifications, like your actual knowledge, mm -hmm. instead of your actual history. Because you may have been in a situation, people may have been in a situation where you haven't been able to get employed. And there are things where I wish I had had the chance to go to school because there are things I wish I had learned that I just never had the opportunity because it's hard to just go and teach yourself. Um, so like 100%, if you have the opportunity to go to school, do it. But I would say that as long as you have the right employer, it's not necessary. That's you good. don't need it. You can always learn really regardless. That's awesome. Good for you. We are going to take a quick second here to thank our second sponsor for today's uh, podcast. This episode is brought to you in part by London Comic Con. From cosplay to board games to podcasts to pop culture. London Comic Con has it all. The biggest pop culture event in southwestern Ontario. So you currently work for a company. Is it now? Is do I? It's it's D A G I or is Dagi? Dagi. Thank you. I'm like Dagi. Dagi. I don't. I see four letters. Yeah, Dagi. It used to be Digital Advantage, but they like shortened it, so now it's Dagi. So what does the G, a graphic, and what's the I stand for? It's just yeah, Digital Advantage. The name was just Digital Advantage before, and they were just like, hey, it sounds better. And a couple extra letters in there to make it interesting. Yeah, yeah. And they're a four-person IT company right here in London. Um, so what does a typical day look like for you from beginning to end? Um, so the start of my day is just checking to see if anybody's made any requests to have any work done. Um, and that's a lot of what's going on throughout my day. Every day is a little bit different though. Uh, some days, you know, there's no real fires to put out. Mm -hmm. It's kind of quiet, and I usually spend that time doing my own learning about things that we're doing. Because in this job, I am learning entirely new things that I didn't do at my previous job. Because uh, now I'm working with, like, VoIP phones and learning how to work on the databases for those. And I'd never done them before. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of my own learning on the side. Um, but then there's some days... Uh, where it's literally constant fires being put out and it's companies sending in urgent requests because they're like, we can't do any of our job unless you fix this. And Pretty much. Yeah, and that, those, those days are intense and those days can be really stressful. Oh, yeah. But it's also a really good feeling to resolve that. Of course. Like, if Absolutely. we have a really big job come in, it feels really good to collaborate with my coworkers and fix it. And that sense of accomplishment is just, it's all, especially after something really complicated. My totally favorite is when something starts working and we don't know why, but we're just like, okay, that's it's working. good, it's working. We're gonna leave it alone now. <laughs> it's good, everything's fine. That's awesome. So we've talked a lot of cons about being a woman in the industry, but what are some of the perks? Not necessarily just being a woman in the field, but just being a techie in general. Um, so being a techie in general, it's not really a perk for me, but it's a perk for other people. All of my friends and family <laughs> come to me now whenever they need anything done and I fix it. That makes um, sense. There is one kind of perk, I guess, to being a woman in the field, and that's that um, there aren't a lot of us. 
And because there aren't a lot of us, um, I feel like there's a little bit more of a bias towards hiring us now that companies are understanding mm. that we could do the work. Um, you have a little bit more of like a, a visible benefit, awesome. I guess, which is nice. Um, but yeah, and also aside from like fixing friends and family's problem, I, I can fix pretty much anything that comes up myself with my own setup. So that's amazing. That's, that's, amazing. that's pretty that's nice. impressive. Yeah. And that kind of leads right into what I want to ask you next, which is perfect. Um, so technology is constantly evolving, constantly. You buy something and it's already outdated. Like it, it's, it, that's just how fast technology moves. Um, how do you keep up with all of your knowledge and qualifications with something that is constantly in motion? Part of it is just my job because we have no choice but to, oh geez, um, anytime, anytime like a new problem comes up, it's like, okay, we have to, I have to figure out how to fix this now, so I have to learn. Um, but I also spend a lot of my spare time like watching YouTube videos, yeah. reading articles, and then one of the biggest things that I could suggest if anybody wants to learn tech is to game and get a gaming PC, yes. and then you have no choice but to know what, what is current, what's going to work. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely also YouTube videos like Linus Tech Tips and stuff, videos from yeah. channels that Thank put God out. for YouTube, eh? Oh my God, what, yeah. What would we, seriously, what would we do without YouTube nowadays? Yeah. I, I, I learned how to change the headlight of my car via YouTube. I wouldn't have done it otherwise. It, it's, it, YouTube's great. That's, a, that's, what, that's what it's for. <laughs> um, so what's the goal? What's your end game? Where do you eventually want to wind up in your career, where your field, and where do you where do you see yourself on top? I honestly still see myself at the company that I'm working at now, Dadgy, because they're very. It's a great culture, and they're very. I've worked in companies before in tech where there's like a hard ceiling, like you're just going to be a tech, you're just going to be a tech, you're going to do the same thing over and over every day, and I'm not into that. Um, the company I'm working for now, they're. There's no, there's no boundaries really at all. Everyone does everything and you just move forward with that and I like that. That way, if I have a curiosity about anything that we do, I can just learn it and then that becomes a part of my job. That's amazing. Um, so any, yeah, anywhere or any situation that I can work in that rewards my curiosity, that's what I wanna do. That's awesome. Good for you, good for you. So do you have any advice for anyone in general to get into the IT industry? Um, yeah, I guess a couple of things. Uh, one is to be curious. Like, it's not going to be a field for you unless you constantly want to know more. Um, you can't be just okay with, all right, this is my knowledge base, I'm settled. You have to always be curious and you have to always want to know something new. Um, and then the other thing, especially um, when dealing with um, like starting out to actually go into a career somewhere, apply for the job even if you aren't qualified with what they're asking for on paper, Absolutely. 100%. Um, they might be like, oh, we need three years experience or we need education. Worst case scenario, someone's gonna say no to you. Mm -hmm. That's exactly. it. Um, yeah. But like best case scenario, like for me, places that had these requirements, I applied and then I happened to get the interviewer who was like just asking the nice. tech questions or didn't, wasn't concerned about 
anything else. So like, don't be afraid to try anyway. Also, don't be afraid to break things because you're gonna break things and then you fix them and then you know how to fix it exactly. after that. I remember being a kid and my mom being pissed because I took apart the VCR because I wanted to know what it looked like inside and how it worked. Uh, did not, not put the, that back together. Not the best thing to take apart. I'm just gonna let no, you know. No, no, in retrospect, no. <laughs> But maintaining that, like, I just want to know how this works. Yeah. And trying. Of course. Is there any, we're going to open the, we're going to open the mic up to the floor. Does anybody have any questions for Laura about being in IT? What's your name, boss? It's Dave. Dave, ask your question, boss. So I've done some uh, tech support stuff, and I've had some big problems in the past, like the power bar being plugged into the power bar, and they couldn't figure out why the computer wouldn't turn on. Yeah. And you know, you get those people, they're really abrasive because they think they've got everything right, it's not their fault. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, how do you feel about that? Um, we're all mentioning about the fact that you're being a woman. I mean, you know, I have to deal with people like that that are very abrasive. In your opinion, is it more difficult, do you think, than, than some of your colleagues? That's a good question. That's a great um, question. Wow, thank you. Yes. Like, obviously, for anyone working in tech, dealing with those people is annoying. Um, and for some people, there's just no pleasing them regardless. Um, but I, I have had situations where that definitely was made worse by the fact that they were talking to a girl and they assumed that I just didn't know what I was talking about. Um, luckily, um, because of other work experience I've had working, because uh, I, I was a counselor for a while and stuff, so I'm, I'm fairly comfortable staying calm and de-escalating situations. Um, and it's, I, I just have learned not to take it personally. Yeah. Um, because as much as they're directing the fact that it's, oh, it's about you, you're a girl, you're doing this wrong, I know it's about them, and I know that they're upset, and I know that the easiest thing they can do is get upset at exactly. me. Um, so I just spend, I've just, I've gotten comfortable spending time just like calming down, let them say whatever they're gonna say until they're calm enough that I can get to the root of, okay, but like, why are you calling? Like, what's the actual issue so I can fix it? Is it something you always wanted to do, or did you want to do something else when you grew up? So, as much as this was always my hobby, when I was in school, um, most of what I was doing was either drama or music or broadcasting related because I wanted to do music and theater, um, which didn't really work out, but definitely helped with the talking to people side of things. Yeah, so. that, that definitely would. I think one of my favorite most recent issues like that with tech support where somebody was they kind of got what I was telling them to do, but they didn't really. Um, they were trying to plug in their ethernet cable, but they were plugging in a phone cable and not understanding why it wasn't working. They were just like, it's really loose for some reason, and I'm just like, oh no. <laughs> it happens a lot. Oh geez. So for those of you who are listening via the, the apps, uh, we just had somebody say from the audience, that uh, somebody bought a laptop, just brand new, they went to the power button, and they thought that the, when the light turned on on the power button, the, it means it was turning off. So every time they would hit the power button, the light would come off, so they just, they'd constantly on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off, and didn't know why it didn't work. 
I'm not even surprised anymore. Anytime right? I hear a story like that, I'm like, that's not shocking at this point. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Laura. Really appreciate you coming in. Big round of applause for Laura. Thank you so much for coming in today. Really appreciate you. Thank so you. Much. All right. So our next guest is uh, will be here in a moment. He's just a little bit busy. Uh, will be Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas is a local comic book artist who will be joining us in uh, approximately 10 minutes or so. But until then, a little bit of more information about us here as a podcast. So I'm E.T. This is my co-host, Danny. Uh, Hello. This is actually Danny's <laughs> first show. It is. Which is kind of fun. I literally was like... No pressure, um, right? Hey, do you want to be a host? Uh, that's literally how it went. Yeah. He's like, here's all the information. Okay. And I asked her last night. Yeah, last this night. Was, this was not asked like this weeks ago. This script. was last night. <laughs> <laughs> Typed up the script last night and everything. Oh, yeah, last minute. Talk about last minute. Uh, but yes, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and as well as Google Podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Weird Careers Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well at Weird Careers. And that's where you can connect with us. If you, have, if you know anybody who's got a really neat job, or maybe you do, you can shoot us an email at weirdcareerspodcast at gmail.com. But this show we've been doing for, well, I have been doing this for two, two years now. We've, got some, we've had some really, really cool guests over the last few years. We've had everything from a tornado analyst who works for um, the Canada, climate, weather, Canada, whatever they are. Environment Canada, that's the word. Yeah, that Environment one. Canada, that's what they're called. So he <laughs> does, he's a tornado, tornado analyst for them. So he actually will go out and he actually um, is part of the... Um, he tells you uh, exactly the EF score. So, and believe it or not, what I actually found really interesting is that that EF rating is not actually based on like swirling winds or anything. It's actually the damage it left behind. So that's how they actually classify your tornadoes. But, well, if you want to hear more about that, check out the podcast, right? So, but without further ado, we have... Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas, come up to the stage, please, sir. Give him a round of applause. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. So we are in the last, the last leg here of our uh, a podcast. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank um, you. And I'm sorry I'm late. No, it's okay. You were drawing. It's okay. It's your professional. It's your job. That's what we're here to talk about. Right, so it's right. all good. Um, so before we get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. What is like, Reader's Digest? Mm. Like short, short oh, so sweet. like the what do you do? Very short. Oh, okay, so yeah, yeah the um, I'm a cartoonist, and uh, primarily I'm a comic book letterer. Oh, and yeah, I'm I'm one yeah. of the very few uh, comic book letterers that kind of go around, you know, go to conventions and and, nice. and, and, and uh, oh, mainly because originally. Um, that wasn't something I wanted to do. Like, I never pursued or I never intended to pursue a career in, in lettering, but it kind of just, it was something that I had to learn to do because I was doing my own self-published comics. And, nice. um, and they, they, you know, someone gave me the great piece of advice saying that, you know, learn how to do the, you know, letter, how to do lettering properly. Exactly. Uh, or else it kind of takes away the reader from the book. If it's done poorly in a comic, then mm -hmm. it, it just takes you out of the experience and it doesn't mesh with the, the art as well. So like the, whole, the, the letterer's job not only is to 
uh, put the words of the script into the book so you can read them, but it's a, we're also trying to match the style so that way you're, you're getting the whole complete package you know, or you know, you're, you're, the, the experience kind of, um, for lack of a better, for a better word, it, it, like, the lettering should fuse you know, uh, complement the the art style. I would I would cool. say, yeah. So you must have impeccable penmanship. Uh, ironically, no. I, uh, That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> ironically, I actually have terrible, terrible penmanship. And uh, um, no, so so um, you know, in today's day and age, comic book lettering is done digitally. Yep. Yeah. So I would say maybe like ten percent of like uh, of uh, I would, of letterers maybe in the industry. Um, do it by hand, like traditionally. Oh, wow. But even that, it ta- that takes a long time. So uh, yeah, not only doing it digitally um, is more efficient, but it, it allows. There's a lot of wiggle room, and there's a lot of room for error um, as well. So that way, I mean, by the time the, a project comes to a letterer, the, the, the deadline is is tighter. Yeah. So it's kind of like you know, you, you, you know, there's a little bit of room to play with, but. Um, it, it, it allows the turnaround to be a little bit quicker than if you were to say we do it you know, traditionally. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Right on. Um, Danny's got our next question over there. Yes. What was your favorite run of comics that you grew up with? Um, so growing up, I mean, um, I didn't really get into reading comics until I was a teenager. And so it was in, mainly in high school. And the high school library had a really nice big selection of um, of graphic novels, mainly Batman. Um, so I was reading nice. a lot of like the key classic Batman stories, like The Dark Knight Returns, The Killing Joke, The Long Halloween, which is my favorite of nice. the bunch. Um, but as I, uh, so after high school, I would say the one series that really connected with me, or not really, but like one series I really enjoyed that I, uh, from start to finish was Chew from Image, uh, written by John Lehman nice. uh, and art by Rob Guillory. Uh, that was just a one of those you know uh, wacky stories that shouldn't have worked, but it completely works. You know, it's yeah. it's a fantastic series. So um, reading that not only I mean gave me a huge appreciation in, into the um, the world of indie comics. Uh, but uh, as a as an artist, Rob Guillory, he kind of breaks all kinds of rules when he draws, and it's just like, and you and I can't just help but appreciate or just be like, oh my god, you can do that? Like, it's, <laughs> what, what do you mean? Like, you can completely ignore the rules of perspective, and, and like, it's just, it's it's so well done, and, and, it, and it works uh, really well. So, Chew by hands down is my favorite uh, that, that that I grew up, and I still love. Uh, to this day. Yeah. That's awesome. Very yeah. nice. So I guess that's kind of how you started as well. Or is there more to it than that? Um, well, I mean, I, I've been drawing for as long as I possibly can remember. Um, and I always wanted to... Actually, my, my childhood goal was to work for Disney. Okay. Uh, but if, nice. And then fast forward, you know, a few years ago, I actually did. And, uh, I mean, by way of comics. Oh really? So that was it. It, it still kind of kind of came to fruition, but like you know, I wanted originally wanted to be an animator. Yeah. Um, so I went to school for uh, actually f- uh, for um, game design, which was a uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's a bit of a left turn. It's like yeah, animation. No, I'll go game design. But no, I I went into game design because there was a huge the, the course really. Um, provided like uh, an amazing opportunity to learn a lot of different things including animation mm-hmm. um, but after I graduated I kind of 
gravitated more uh, back to traditional illustration okay. and comics. Nice. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to start. So I started doing pinups of, you know, Batman and, you know, the classic heroes and, and whatnot. And, um, and then I finally had, had this, you know, the, the guts to actually put out a, an indie comic of my own. Uh, and it was a book called Post-Human. We did that back in 2014. Um, and, uh, and, and it was like, it got me a chance to talk to other creators and other right. people in the industry and gave, and gave me, you know, invaluable, uh, you know, um, lessons. And, 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 and that's what this is. I mean, this is what this is all about for us. It's, it's, it's about uh, connecting and community and, and, and what, what better place to go and yeah, exactly. just with, with people here. So um, that was, yeah, so it was, it was, doing that and then slowly when I was um, doing the indie comic I was approached by uh, at the time it was Chapter House who publishes Captain Canuck and they okay. asked me hey do you know how to do lettering and I'm like yeah I did it I mean I, I learned how to do it they said okay um, well we have uh, an issue of Captain Canuck that needs to be lettered and we need to you know, it, again it needs to go right out the door I'm like okay so you know within um, maybe like Eight or twelve hours later, uh, I I sent them the draft and and they and they they were happy with it, which was great. I mean, that was the one thing I was uh, worried about. It's like, oh my god, I, I better not screw this up. It's, it's Captain <laughs> Canuck. That was kind of like my my foot in the door moment. Nice. And then they uh, yeah they came back and they said, um, oh well uh, well here's another one and here's another one and it just kept going nice. until they until they uh, uh, asked me to be their in-house letterer and then work on all their titles that's cool so that's where the majority of my career has been has been with them and so they did all the spin-off titles like Northguard Fallen Sons everything that that's mm -hmm. in the Captain Canuck universe yeah um, eventually comes to me that's awesome yeah which is pretty cool because now um, so they've they've been acquired by a company called Lev Gleason and that name is actually I mean for those you know I guess comic history buffs might recognize that name because Lev Gleason was an actual person from I think it was World War II uh, era uh, he created his own uh, or he was uh, responsible for a lot of like the classic uh, Golden Age characters, so like Silver Streak, oh, nice. uh, and the original Daredevil, not to nice. be confused with the Marvel's Daredevil. Yeah. So Lev Gleason, uh, I guess, so the, the company uh, who um, I guess licensed their name from the uh, Lev Gleason estate, mm -hmm. they said, "Hey, well, now we want to take cha uh, take Captain Canuck and all these uh, other superheroes, and then put them under our umbrella. But we're going to be rebooting those classic characters too." So Silver Streak is back, nice. Dar Daredevil's back, Captain Battle's back, and it's just like all these uh, Golden Age characters are back. I would say they're back home now. That's awesome. Them. So I got to, uh, working on those titles were, were, were super, super cool uh, to see the new fresh take on these characters. And it, it was, yeah, I, a lot of fun, yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun, yeah. So you've been in the industry now for over seven years. Uh, roughly. I, roughly, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would say my first... If we're talking lettering, I think it was more 2016, 2017, but I've been at it since 2014 kind of thing, give or take. So, yeah, it's about eight years, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I've look, I, I looked at your, uh, kind of looked at your resume, see what you want. It's impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Like, I'm looking at, like, um, 
what do we have here? We've got, you've worked on Archie Comics. Yep. You've worked on Captain Canuck, who I believe our, the creator is here this weekend. That's right. He's right beside me, actually. So down this hall, uh, you'll find, right beside me, you'll find Richard Comley, who's actually only here today. He will not be here tomorrow. All right. So there you go. You can, I think that worked out really well. Perfect. Um, and well, some, and you've, you've also done work with Disney princesses as well. That's right. Yeah. So like, again, big companies, big names. How did you get there? Um, it, I think it became uh, a word-of-mouth situation because they were looking for, um, just like in the case of Captain Canuck, they were looking for a letterer. Yeah. And it says, hey, we have uh, this run of Disney Princess comics that we need you know, a letterer for. And uh, they had a, a, a unique way of doing it. So in, typically, I, I, I do all my lettering in Illustrator, Adobe Illustrator. Yep. But they wanted me to do it in, uh, in design. And I've never used okay. InDesign. For, oh, you know, I should, but I just have my own way of doing things, and InDesign wasn't one of them. Of course. Um, so I went down to the office, and they, they showed me, you know, they actually showed me in person everything that I needed to do. And I'm like, okay, it was fairly easy, easy enough to pick up. So, uh, yeah, and then we did, we, we, we did that. It was The publisher was called Joe Books, who unfortunately went out of business a few years ago. Ah. Yeah, it was kind of a bummer. Um, but that it was a lot. A lot of the time, it's become a word of mouth situation, uh, awesome. where people say, "Hey, I need this," and 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 um, lettering now has given me a, a big opportunity to become an advocate for uh, for that part of comic book production. A lot of people don't realize how much actually goes into it, and um, and a lot of like when you go to comic cons, a lot of the big names. Uh, yes, they're writers, artists, and stuff like that, and, and they're fantastic at what they do. But a lot of people just um, don't realize that there are uh, other people on that book, and so it's a very underappreciated uh, um, art form. So you know, getting to do this allows me to you know talk about it, and getting to be an advocate for it, and saying, hey, it's an art form in itself, and. Um, and, and yeah, this is what we do, and and you know, you come and, and talk to me about it, and oh boy, feedback. <laughs> and you come talk, and, and you learn something about it. So it's 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 been really cool. That's um, awesome, man. Um, we I have to say we talked about lettering, that, but like that's that's cool. Like lettering, you said there's a lot to lettering. Yeah, yeah, uh, like yeah. What's all what's all involved in lettering? So I mean, there are. Um, a, <laughs> How do we break that down into a, uh, a quick <laughs> segment here? Um, so really, I mean, it's it's more than just taking the the, the words from the script um, and then putting it onto. People think it's just copy and pasting yeah. directly, but there's a, a lot of things to consider. There's there's flow and uh, like the flow of, of how the, the when the reader reads a comic, how their eyes navigate uh, through the page. So the, yep. you have to keep flow in mind. Uh, there's sound effects. A lot of the times you read the books uh, or read comics and, the, and there's all these cool sound effects. That's the le usually the letters drop. So they, okay. they, they get to be, we get to be creative in creating those uh, those sound effects. And that it just gives more of a dynamic feel uh, to, to, to what's on the page. So you're, yeah. tr you're trying to complement it. Um, so, it, I mean, um, like I was saying before, it, 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 it's only noticeable when you're doing it incorrectly. Yeah. Like if you're, and then typography is also a big part of it too. It's like you, people people constantly. Um, we all kid about Comic Sans as a font. <laughs> however, in this case, Comic Sans totally works. <laughs> however, <laughs> no. So. However, no. We don't. Um, uh, there is a well, probably one of the, the best names in the industry today is uh, Nate Picos of Blambot. And nice, he okay. is a huge, and he's a big letterer. Uh, or I mean, he's a, uh, not only that, but he's also uh, huge on 
uh, calligraphy as well. Mm -hmm. So he creates a series of, of fonts to use and sound effects, and and he just recently came out with a book with a uh, came out with a book uh, which is the essential guide to comic book lettering, right. and it is now uh -huh. we call the Bible. The Bible, no, yes. exactly. <laughs> it's the art um, Bible. Yeah. So it is. It is. It's. It's. it's um, Fantastic! It's very um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, uh, inspiring and fascinating to read, even if you're not even interested in lettering in general. Uh, but just to go through it and and read how um, how much goes into it. It's nice. it, it is uh, it's it's amazing. But yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's called the Essential Guide to Comic Book Lettering. The Essential Guide to Comic Book Lettering. We'll have to often remember that. Now, I don't have it written down here because I forgot to write it in. But you, as, as we know, we as as we all know now, you've you you're primarily you do lettering is your primary. But you've also done some cover art. Yep. You and most impressive, you created I believe two comic book characters. Um. Yeah. I mean, if if we're talking, um. So w which one do you want to hear first? But Oric. <laughs> So yeah, uh, Oric of the Great White North is my co-created series with my writing partner, Davis Dewsbury, uh, who lives in Timmins, Ontario, and that's where the book is set. So he said he wanted a hero in Timmins, uh, you know, to kind of represent, you know, that slice of life in, in northern Ontario, because mm -hmm. everybody's talking about the big cities and all that. No one bats yeah. an eye at the, you know, Timmins. So uh, we created, uh, actually, it started as, the character started as a mascot for the Comic-Con in Timmins. <laughs> nice. And it was originally designed by an artist, Mike Ruth, who is, uh, he's based out of uh, Oakville, okay. and he's just an amazing uh, artist. He, he does like a lot of like photorealistic paintings, and uh, um, he's done uh, uh, a lot of covers for, uh, for Image, for, mm -hmm. uh, uh, he's also did one for Kathleen Canuck as well. Nice. Um, so he did the, um, the original concept for him, and it was, it was a lion-headed, like Nordic design with a he had a bow and arrow and uh, the reason why they went with the lion head uh, because the Comic Con was partnered with the Lions Club uh, at the ah. time so they wanted to mesh those two together nice so that was done Clever. in I think it was 2013 or 2014 but when 20 I think 2015 just before 2015 um, Davis was uh, running the Artist Alley. Uh, portion of the show, okay. and, he, and he reached out to some to some people down in, down here south in Ontario, uh, asking if we wanted to go up uh, and you know be part of the show. Yeah. So he reaches out to me and he says, "Hey, do you want to be you know part of the show?" And I'm like, "Hey, that's cool. I've never been up that way, and I think it'd be I think it'd be a lot of fun." Um, and I had an, <laughs> I had an idea um, that I pitched him. I'm like, "Hey." Um, I would love to do like something exclusive for the, for the show. Um, you know, can, can we like maybe like come up with a superhero and, mm. and you know something like that? And he says we already have one, and his name is Oric. And um, I'm like, okay, cool. And it's like, well, what if we took you know that character and then we we did a mini comic and then just kind of briefly talked about his origin. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, do you, do you want to write it? I'm like, I'm not much of a writer. Um, <laughs> so he's like, well, I've dabbled it here and there. And he's showed me some samples of his writing. And I'm like, hey, this, this is pretty cool. Um, so I'm like, OK, um, let's, uh, let, let's do it. So he comes back with like a 10-page script. 
and uh, and I'm reading it. I'm like, wow, this is this is really well done. And I'm like, this is you know, you think you know, this would be more done done by a professional writer. Not to say uh, at the time he he uh, uh, you know he he just writes for fun. Yeah. I'm like, no, this is really this is really this is legit. So we draw it and um, and then we announce it, saying, "Hey, you know, work of the Great White North is getting his very own comic. It's going to be a uh, the, or- the original plan was going to be uh, it was going to be an annual thing. Yeah. So an annual mini comic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that 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 will give you a, a small adventure or a small story uh, every year. And and, uh, and and that was the plan. Like I'll go every year and we'll do this and we'll promote it. Nice. So word gets around and then uh, Davis is like, "Hey, I'm getting in- uh, requests for interviews from CBC, CT." TV news Damn, and all nice. that stuff. So he he does he does all the press and uh, for that and so we did a run of 200 copies thanks to some local sponsors. That's awesome. It was really cool. Uh, and we all but sold out. That's awesome. Good people for you. really dug that the idea. So Davis and I, after like kind of letting that weekend cool off, he's like, "Do you think we should continue this as a regular series, like in like an actual?" And I'm like couldn't hurt why not yeah why not what's the worst so, that could happen so we did and um so and as of like what 2015 was the first one and then the the uh and then later that year the the first issue of the regular series came out and we've been steadily going we're up to issue six now nice um only because it's uh, it, it, working on an indie comic you know um alongside uh you know, actual paying gigs and stuff like you know, tr- trying to fit that into your nine to five job is really tough. So I mean, we've done six or six issues plus a few other, um, you know, annuals. Like we we went back um, uh, year after year, and we'll continue the tradition of doing a uh, an annual mini comic alongside the regular series. Nice, which is which was really cool. And uh, yeah, it, it's been it's been a lot of fun. We uh, we got a really talented colorist from uh, from Quebec, nice. who's been a friend of Davis's before uh, or before I came along. Perfect. And she's and, and so with her colors over you know my work and his writing, it's just been like, like a, it was like just a, just harmony nice. to work that, on. That's and good. yeah, that's so good. it's been a lot of fun. Um, and. Um, and yeah, when we're still going strong, we've recently put out a. Uh, it's kind of I would say not a spinoff, but it's it's like a separate storyline, um, for and it has War uh, Oric in World War Two. Oh. And it's written by Mark Shane Bloom, who did the, who created the original Northguard. Nice. And drawn by Dan Day, who has done work for everybody. So these are two Canadian legends that, awesome. that got to work on the book. Cool, and man. we kickstarted it, and it was super successful. And like, we have issue one at our table now, and uh, for awesome. that book. So it's been, it's been super fun. And oh, and not to mention that um, our books are the org books. You can actually catch them. Um, in the background of a few episodes of Private Eyes on Global TV. Oh, really? Yeah, they came. They came up to us and they're like, "Hey, um, we have uh, an episode of uh, Private Eyes that we're going to be doing. That's actually going to be inside a comic book store, or or uh, one of them is like, well, uh, uh, one was inside a comic book store. The other one was in the bedroom of some guy who kind of uh, cosplayed." Similar to Orc, it, it was like a uh, like a medieval. They were looking for something like medieval, yeah. and Orc has a sword uh, as a weapon of choice. So it was pretty cool. I gave them copies of the book and posters and stuff like that, and they, they put it at, um, in the room as set dressing. 
and uh, so we're we're all like waiting for like the episode's release, and uh, and then we're like cat waiting for the scene to come, and then they actually uh, the first uh, the first episode we got to do that they. Um, you, you you could see it on the walls and stuff, but then yeah. they actually ended that scene with a close up of the book. Oh, that's pretty. It was a close up of the book. It was so dope. Uh, that's bad. Yeah, so we were. <laughs> <laughs> it was so dope. Um, so yeah, um, I forget the original question, but uh, <laughs> oh, we were just talking about Oric. We were talking about your your comic book character. Yeah, that so you that's created. more. And 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 I talked about the the, the history of the creation, but yes. Um, so when when people ask me about Oric, the elevator pitch really is: what if He Man turns into a Thundercat? Oh. Yeah, so that's the elevator pitch. The long-form version of that is that uh, Oric used to be a gold miner in 1912 or 1920s uh, in, in Timmins, and yeah. they were working in this uh, mine when they uh, they were you know chipping away at the, uh, axing the walls or with the pickaxe, and um, they struck you know this panel on the wall, and this mysterious gas starts unleashing. And it fills the entire you know cave, and everybody gets infected, mm -hmm. and starts turning into these monsters, yeah, uh, including Orc. So uh, you know this is all happening, and then this Inuit goddess appears before him and gives him the power to control it. Oh wow, cool! So like, now you can you know control nice. it at will, and now mm -hmm. it's your job to kind of vanquish this evil. And That's so cool. he like spends that. the next hundred years, you know, fighting these monsters. Nice. Including the wars. So that's where, and so our series picks up um, after his retirement, where he thinks he's won, yeah. but they start showing up again. Oh, yeah. okay. So it's kind of like an old man. It's like it's like okay, he man turns into an undercat, uh, a thundercat, but it's mm. old man Logan. <laughs> so <laughs> love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, no, so it's it's been a lot of fun, and uh, and then we'll every issue kind of has a little bit of, has a uh, flashback scene to mm -hmm. you know a, a pivotal moment in his life and then that we have the um the the, the first world war uh, world war ii story so you mm -hmm. get to see him in that part of uh that part of his life so it, the stories are endless because you, we've picked up a hundred years later and yep. you have all that to you know all, all that time to, to kind of tell stories oh, exactly yeah. yeah so that, that nice. that's that's i think where where davis was really genius in writing that story um, for the present day. That's awesome. And then we can kind of like piece by piece, you know, piece all the, his history together, you know, as we go, so. Nice. Yeah. So it sounds like Auric might be one of your favorite, um, Yeah, uh, as a, as a co-creator, I think that's probably like the, the book or that that's the book that I, I, I um, I credit myself the most yeah. um, is uh, because it's been a labor of love to work with these guys, and we're, we're all good friends. And every time we meet, you know, in Timmins, we're always, you know, it's like it's kind of like a like a family reunion once a year. And um, that makes sense. So it's been a, uh, in terms of like co-creation, yeah, I, I couldn't ask for a better team. Yeah, because yeah. you're there from the very beginning, so that's yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. I'm going to take one second here to just thank our last sponsor of the day. This podcast is brought to you by Pebble Creations. <laughs> like my shirt? You can get one custom made using coupon code LCC2022 for 25% off of your first order. You will be directly supporting this podcast. 
Pebble Creations, locally made, locally loved. Okay. So what are some of the perks of being a comic book artist? Some of the perks of being a comic book artist? Mm -hmm. um, well, I mean, I, I, I suppose it depends on, um, I, I guess, at what point or where you are in your career, I suppose. Um, but like, uh, I guess one of the one of the big perks is when you, when you get to do the convention uh, circuit. I, I would guess is you get to bump in or you get to bump into so many familiar faces. Oh yeah. So the one. Um, I guess the, the like the family community aspect of it is is a big plus um, because you know we it, 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 like like I said before it's like um, in many cases it's like a reunion for many people I get to see a lot of friends and colleagues that mm. you know I've admired over the, over the years and we'll get to hang out and get to catch up so the, the being part of that community is a definitely a big you know a big, big perk but. I suppose, like, and then once, once, I guess I'll use myself as an example, but um, with the, the books I've worked on in the past, it's kind of given me an opportunity to meet people as well. So uh, I suppose that it kind of segues, will probably segue into, I guess, one of the most more recent aspects or the chapters of my career is getting to work with Kevin Smith. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That Thank you. <laughs> is pretty awesome. That is awesome. Um, yeah, no, so as of, uh, yeah, so uh, actually as of um, last week, or just this past Wednesday, uh, Kevin's uh, first uh, first comic book uh, that he written in a, quite a long time just came out. Uh, Dark Horse gave, or basically, uh, Dark Horse gave Kevin a, uh, a special imprint called Secret oh. Stash Press, and then he gets to put out his own comics. That's awesome. That's so, so cool. Um, so because and that becomes a it becomes a perk because I get I got to meet Kevin uh, in person in Calgary. Oh wow! Um, That's awesome. In, in April, and <laughs> yeah. and I mean I'm I'm a part of the the fan club, so I get like I, I like I've heard, I've known or I've gotten a chance to speak with him over Zoom a couple times. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, you know club members have you know, special perks and stuff like that. Um, but in Calgary, I knew he was going to be there, and I'm like, I got to make it a point to go meet him. Yeah. Uh, and then what? So um, even even before that, like going back to the club uh, or the fan club, I, I was doing a lot of fan art. So I was, like, I'll even before I get into um, like my my nine to five, I'll do like warm up doodles, and I'll do mm -hmm. like I'll draw Jay and Silent Bob or any of his characters from his movies. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then he, I guess he, he started taking notice of it because he started liking the, the photos on Instagram oh, nice. and on Twitter, Sweet. and so it's pretty cool. So fast forward to Calgary. Um, uh, yeah, I say I have I, I got to make it a point to 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 meet him. And the, uh, as a guest, I was a, I was a guest at Calgary, and on the back of the badge it said, oh. Uh, as a guest, you have the ability to um, you have bypass line or line bypass privileges. Ooh. I'm like, okay. So uh, I, I go over to the, the the area where he's in, and I get to I guess the um, I guess there was like a like a concierge before you get in line. So you have yeah. to buy like a ticket to get an autograph or a selfie mm -hmm. before you go and meet him. So I go up there and I'm like, "Hi, I want to I want to meet Kevin." Uh, and then I show her my badge and says, "Oh, okay. So like, are are you are you gonna get an autograph? No, no, like, I'm no, I'm gonna just say hi." 
And she says, okay, just go right. And she took me, and she took oh, me dang. right to the front of the line. And, uh, cool. and Jay was also, and Jay was right beside, Jason Muse was right beside him. So, like, people, I was, um, people were getting stuff signed, and I'm just kind of, like, queuing, waiting my turn. My heart's racing. Um, <laughs> of course it is, of course. <laughs> uh, at first, I meet Jay, I, was out, I meet Jay, and I introduced myself, and I told him, you know, what I was doing. He's like, mm. oh, my God, that's you? He's like, hey, nice to meet you. And, I'm, and he's like, I... I like what you do, and and that's awesome to hear. That, of course, yeah. And then when I get to Kevin, uh, I guess Kevin overheard me uh, or overheard uh, Jason, I guess, repeating my name or, or yeah. mentioning something. But he, he, I shake his hand, and he goes, wait a minute, you're Andrew Thomas? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you're the fat man who letters. <laughs> Which, for reference, that's my, my, my Instagram handle. Um, <laughs> that's, 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 that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I changed my Instagram handle. I'm like, you know, if I'm going to take this lettering thing seriously, I'm going to go all out. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so he goes, wait a minute. He's like, you're the fat man who letters. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, so it's like, hang on. Is that what you do for a living? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's... That's pretty much my bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. And he says, well, um, I have a, a, a new comic series coming out, and I have this. And I'm like, yes, I know, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> and he goes, do you want to do this? Oh, dang. And, wow. and, my, and my goal, I was, was going to, my goal was to ask him. I'm like, did you find a letterer yet? <laughs> never mind artists, never mind this, this, and that. Right. I'm like, I want to be a letterer for you. And uh, I didn't have to because he asked me. That's so and cool. And he offered me the job right on the spot. And I'm like... At a con. Wow. At a con. Right at a con. Like, wow. that's, that's awesome. That, that whole encounter took like three minutes. What? It took only, that's insane. The, the, the entire encounter um, took uh, three minutes. Um, wow. And then... <laughs> so I give him my, my number. Uh, yeah. and, uh, I'm like, and I'm like, okay, this is amazing. And then, and then I guess I get queued out of the booth. And I'm just like frozen there for just a split <laughs> second. I'm like... What just happened, right? <laughs> so that That's was amazing. that was pretty cool. Well, there's more to that story oh. um, because uh, shortly after, I guess it was kind of closer to the end of the um, the con. Yeah, I get a I get a message on my on my phone, mm. and it's from Kevin. Oh shit! And he goes, uh, "Come to my hotel room." <laughs> Um, wow. Don't say no to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so <laughs> me and it was me and a couple other club members. Uh, so it ended up being it, what it was. It was a um, it was a club meetup. Yeah. So he's like, okay. Uh, he says, yep, come come to the hotel room uh, after. So we did, and and I got to t talk with him, and and uh, he offered me a, a, a joint, and and you nice. don't say no. So you, you don't say no to a free uh, joint. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there we are. We 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 spent like an hour just talking That's and sweet. for and it was so surreal because for that hour it, you it was just you and him and 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 like the, the like the world didn't exist uh, like the rest of the world like yeah. his his busy world did not exist it was That's just amazing. it was just you and him so it, it's a moment i will cherish forever um and so uh, i get maybe a couple weeks later i get an, an email from uh, an editor at dark horse yeah. and he says, "Hey, Kevin wants you to 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 come on as letterer for his. Uh, he's he did uh, doing two books, uh, nice. Masquerade, which just came out, mm -hmm. which is an original story, uh, and Quick Stops, which is a uh, it's an anthology book based on his uh, View Askew universe. Okay. So he wants to tell stories about characters from his movie universe. Uh, and I'm like, so he's like, that's all, that's cool. And so he's like, yeah, he wants you to do both. Uh, and I'm like, okay." Uh. Like, yes, you, don't, you don't say no. Yes, <laughs> you don't say no. That's not exactly. a no. Exactly. Um, 
And He's ever seen Yes Man? This is the Yes Man. And, 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 <laughs> and now because, and also because this originally, or my, my, my love for comics originally started as an illustrator, mm -hmm. Kevin knows that I can draw as well. Perfect. So he, he texts me one day. He's like, do you want to do a, a cover for Quick Stops number what? one? I'm like, no, Kevin, I don't. No. <laughs> um, no, and I did. So we got to actually talk. Uh, like I got to bounce ideas off of him. That's and he's so cool. like, oh, I love this, but change that or do this and do that. And also, and then when, also as, letter, uh, for, as a letterer for the book, or for the books, uh, instead of getting notes directly from the editor, mm. he messaged me uh, uh, directly. Oh, and he's like, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> wow. So getting to talk to him, so th that's definitely been like the highlight of my career for sure. thus far. And um, getting to work with him, and it's just, oh. Like, Can I have his number? Uh, nah. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> that's, aw that's so cool, though. Yeah. That's really awesome. Um, now we've talked about obviously the perks, like the the really cool stuff about being yeah. a comic book artist. What are the downfalls? What are the, what are the hardships of being a comic book artist? Well, I mean, in in my case, uh, time management is a big one, um, mm. especially because because my nine to five is mostly comic book lettering. I don't mm. get to draw as much as I want to. Yeah. Especially, I don't get to draw orc as much as I want to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so. Is it, is it my mic specifically? I think it's, it might be you. Uh, we might have figured it out. <laughs> it's a free podcast to figure it out, by yep. the way. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? I, we I, were I talking, lost my train of thought. We were talking about the uh, time management. Ah, yes, yes, thank you. Um, yeah, so it, it's definitely, a t it, time management is, is a big thing, too. And, and then, then also, not only that, but I work from home. Yeah. I have three kids. So it's also... You know, trying to, and my, and my wife is a full-time nurse as well, so she's yep. always oh. in and out of the house. So yep. finding that time to do that um, is, is also is also a challenge. Burnout is also a, a big thing too. Absolutely, because oh, yeah. I, I I I think I push myself harder than I should. Yep. And I don't give myself time to relax and just be, you know, just enjoy things. Like I'll play, you know, like my my, my boys love playing Fortnite, so I'll play with them nice. uh, when I can. But it's just like getting. To sit down and and like things, you take things for granted. Like uh, I, I make sure that when my wife is home or when she has her days off, we sit down and we actually watch something or we'll, awesome. we actually watch our shows. And and those are things that you know most people take for granted because you know uh, un until you you have the the lapse in, in availability, mm -hmm. um, it's when you kind of uh, learn to appreciate it more. So it's. It's it's those downtimes that I really appreciate or that I that I really enjoy. Of course, uh, but that's definitely yeah, that's, that's definitely one of the downsides. Yeah. For sure, being uh, being a hubby and a dad of two myself, I I totally get that. My wife also works healthcare; she works a twelve hour shift. Oh wow! Yeah. So I, I we I might maybe I should do lettering. <laughs> maybe I should do that. Um, so I, I totally like that time management, especially when you've got a partner who works twelve hours. It's hard. It it's is. really difficult. So being able to do that and do Kudos. That's awesome. Thank you. Good for you. Thank you. All right. We are getting near the end of our last interview. So you guys know what that means. I'm going to open the mic up to the floor. I'm going to, I'm going to come down to you guys. Does anybody have any questions for Andrew today? Hi. Hi. So, so if you could choose one character or one comic book run, either out there or not out there yet, what one would you like to do? Oh, the, uh, for me Good to question. do? Uh, well, you know... It, only because my wife is also a hu is a huge Batman fan, 
I, I would love to do, to work on Batman in some capacity. We, we're, we're huge Batman fans, and, and, and you should see our basement. It's just like, she, it, it's funny, when, when, when I met my wife, she wasn't really into the culture as much as I was, but sort of like over time, she, she, she's become, you know, more infatuated with it than I am. So she's like, oh, she, <laughs> just yesterday, we went to Party City, uh, or was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday. Um, went to Party City, uh, the boys were picking out their costumes and stuff. She sees a Batarang, just like a prop, like a prop Batarang, just like on the shelf, and she grabs it. She's like, this is going in our basement where our, like our, <laughs> uh, we have a, like a, uh, like a home theater kind of thing set up. So we have, <laughs> she was the one, she's like, yeah, that's going to go there. Uh, when we went to go see, uh, we went to go to the movies uh, at one point, uh, they had a huge, like, Batman uh, cardboard cutout. And she's, like, buying that. And now that stands <laughs> up in our basement. So um, I think, yeah, that would be awesome because it kind of brings everything back full circle, for me at least. So I think, yeah, it's an, it's an easy answer, but um, it, it's... Um, I, I have a sent, sentimentality towards Batman, so... Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Does anybody else have any questions for Andrew today? No? All righty. I do. <laughs> it's okay. You Danny do. does I have do. one more question Should for Andrew. Yeah. It's what I've asked everyone. When you were growing up, has being a comic book creator always been your thing? Because I know you said you wanted to work for Disneyland. So has that always been what you wanted to do when you grew up, or was there something else? No, animation was, as a kid, that was really the, was the aspiration, was to be an animator for Disney. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, um, it, it was in high school that it kind of started, you know, that, that, that idea started uh, festering in, in the back of my head. Yeah. And I'm like, this would be cool, comics, this is, this is cool. I can, and I'm like telling myself, like, hey, I can do this, or, you know, being as naive as I was. And you know, to this to this day, still am. Um, but um, yeah, no, it, it kind of it it evolved over time, and then and, and then even 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 so, like after high school, um, like there was no, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say there's there's no mainstream like courses that you could take mm -hmm. uh, post secondary for 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 comic art. I mean, you could, but there are you know other alternatives that 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 are kind of in the same wheelhouse, but. That's why I kind of went into game design because of a lot of the different things that I got to learn about. Not only graphic design, but programming, audio engineering. Like nice. there was a lot of that that they they covered. Um, so it, it was a it was a great experience. But even after I graduated, and I'm like, I'm looking, you know, you're looking for jobs, you're looking for work, and but there's nothing that that suited me. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, spend the next year um, just. Drawing or developing like a like a portfolio, nice. and that's, that's kind really of what I did. Idea. And then and then I'm like, oh, and let's go do let's go do a convention yeah. and and just kind of like test the water. So that that's kind of how that started. And then but after and after uh, being at the convention and looking at, and seeing people, you know, in a similar situation than, than I am, that um, uh, about you know, self you're learning about self publishing mm. and indie comics and all that. I'm like, okay. This is this is kind of the this is the area that I want to go to. So that's awesome, man. Yeah, that that's that's how and it just evolved. And then and like I said before, it's I never had a, a an aspiration or I never had a, a career path to become a letterer. It yeah. just started happening that way because that that's what was available. 
and I could and I found it very not only interesting to do, but I, it was just something that I I enjoyed doing, and and so it, it worked out, and um, yeah, here we are. All right. And good timing because we have another podcast to be coming up on the stage in about five minutes. So awesome. Perfect timing. Thank you so much for joining us today, Andrew. Thank you. And give it up, everybody, for Andrew Thomas, please. Thank you to everybody who joined us live and to everybody who has listened to us on this podcast. Join me and my new co-host, Danny, next time as we kick off our season two premiere. Don't forget to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as it helps us reach more of you. Until next time, I'm E.T. Cheers. <laughs>